There. Is that good? Yeah? So for today, we're looking at part two of guardrails. And for those of you who weren't here, I want to just clarify, what is a guardrail? So guardrail is a system that keeps us from straying or going into dangerous areas or over the edge. And some of us, more than others, uh, if we're honest, we are more aware of guardrails on the roads than others are. And I'll be the first one to admit that I was not very aware of guardrails until I started driving last December, okay? So um, I had to learn the rules of the road, and I started more and more noticing the guardrails. So we don't really notice them until we need them. We don't know we need them until we actually do, until maybe you're in danger, and the guardrail is there to protect you from maybe a dangerous area or even going over the edge of a cliff or something or a bridge. And so where do we find guardrails? Maybe a bridge, like I was saying, maybe it's a bridge and you wanna make sure you're in the right direction and there's guardrails to protect you from going over and falling to the abyss, so we don't want that. Maybe on the motorway, you may have noticed um, maybe where there's bends and there's guardrails there to protect you from hitting anything and being in danger. Um, and also, if you think about it, in the middle of the motorway, there is a guardrail, a very strong one, to protect you from oncoming traffic, if you ever notice that. It's a very thick cement block because we're going so fast on the motorway that we need a really strong guardrail for that. And also to protect them from us because we're all dangerous sometimes. So motorway and maybe even curves and bends, you may have noticed. And they're there to protect us and to guide us. And we know this, okay? Most of us will be aware that they're there for a reason and nobody ever complains because they're protecting us. And so uh, something else that's interesting about guardrails that you might not have thought before or maybe you never thought about guardrails, which I never did before as well, but the cool thing about guardrails is that they're always placed, or at least most times, inside the safety zone. The guardrail is never in the ditch or you know, over the cliff. It's like just before, I have a picture here to show you. And in most cases, you know, hopefully there's space, enough space for a little, maybe a couple feet away to just have a little bit margin, but they're always in the safety zone. And guess what? None of us complain about it. None of us go, I would love a little more room to be able to drive, so take away the guardrails. We're like, nope, they're there, they're helping me, they're protecting me. And so they're always inside the safety zone. They're not over the edge. They're just a little bit before to let us know, maybe it's dangerous over here, better watch out. So, and the other thing about guardrails is that they're designed to minimize damage. And so maybe you're thinking, you know, Rebecca, I've been in accidents and there was guardrails and my car still got damaged and you know, like, how, how is that going to be good for me? Guardrails are clearly not good enough. But you know what? They're not going to take completely the problem completely away. But, you know, if they weren't there, you would have been in a worse situation. Maybe you wouldn't be here today if the guardrail wasn't there. So even though it's just minimizing damage, we appreciate that it just minimizes damage sometimes. So, um, and the truth is that just like as we drive, and maybe you're someone here who's just learning to drive, um, I, I don't even have a year like with my license yet. And the other day my husband was making fun of me because he was like, I need to like give you some advice as to how you drive. And he keeps commenting on my driving. I'm not like, I'm not bad, okay? For those of you who have been in the car with me, I'm really not bad. I'm kind of biased, but I'm not bad. And he keeps giving me advice and he's like, signal. And I was like way before, so I was like, I was gonna do that. And the other day he was like, turn, but we're turning to our house. So like, I know we're gonna turn. And so as well as in our lives, as we drive and as we walk around and see guardrails, we need guardrails in our lives as well. It's not just for driving. 
It's not just for the roads. What about our lives? Our lives are so, so important. We need guardrails around us. And if we're honest, most of us in the room today, if we're honest, you and I can admit that your regrets, your greatest regrets, and my greatest regrets could have or would have been avoided if you and I had some guardrails, financial guardrails, some moral guardrails to protect us and direct us, maybe relational guardrails as well, and personal guardrails. So if we know that our greatest regrets could have and would have been avoided if we had these guardrails, what we can know for sure is that our future regrets can be avoided if we set some guardrails. Isn't that true? We're learning from the past. We know what's happened. But the, the challenge here is that even though this sounds very straightforward, but the challenge is that our culture does not really encourage guardrails, does it? The culture we live in, the culture we're in, does not encourage guardrails. It does not encourage rules or firm guard guidelines. It does, it does not encourage such a thing. And we're trying to like, put some guardrails and be better and protect ourselves from, you know, from damage and dangerous areas of our lives. But culture does not encourage it. But you know what culture does? Culture is very happy with painted lines. Now you're like, okay, what does that mean? What's the difference really? Well, culture is very happy, it's very content with painted lines. But what are those? They're like gray lines. And gray lines are very easy to cross, aren't they? When it's not very clear, like don't, just don't go, don't, don't pass there. And you're like, there where? Yeah, just there, just, just be careful. It's, it's not very clear, it's not very specific. And you may have heard this. Let's talk about some, some gray lines, some painted lines. The, the, you may have heard this before. Maybe on a TV ad, or maybe somebody's talking to you and you're having a drink, and they say to you, drink sensibly. And you're like, yeah, that's good. I'll drink sensibly. I'll be careful. I won't drive after I drink. Isn't that a good advice? Yeah. You guys think that's good advice? Drink, drink sensibly, responsibly. Just be careful. Be careful when you're drinking. But the truth is, that, that could, I could see that as anything. Like, when is someone who's drinking and who's had a few drinks, how do they know when to stop? If you think about it. Unless there's a guardrail and you say, I will not pass my third drink when you're drinking. How will you know, after you've had a few drinks and you're having fun with friends, how will you know what is drinking responsibly anymore? If we're honest here today, come on. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe you're like, okay, I'm not sure about that. How about this one? Maybe you're a young person here today. And young people have a lot of feelings, isn't that right? Lots of emotions, lots of feelings. And maybe you've started a relationship recently, or you've been in a relationship before, or you're about to start. You know, you're going into it, you're texting this, this guy, this girl. And when it comes to starting that relationship, and you build on it, first you're talking, and you're spending more time together. And sometimes the advice that people give young people, or you could be a mature person and they give you this advice, when it comes to having sex in a relationship, they might say, wait until you're ready. Isn't that good advice? Well, it's not very specific, is it? If you ask a 15-year-old, wait until you're ready, do you know what they'll say? I was born ready. I was born ready. This is a time. I can feel it. Like, I can feel it. This is it. This is a painted line. Just wait until you're ready. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? 
Or maybe you've heard somebody say, consolidate your debts. Like, let's, let's sort it out, you know, like, let's, let's consolidate and let's get on with it. But like, how is that helping me as well? And, or maybe you heard this one, last one. Follow your heart. Listen to your heart. But the truth is, our heart can be deceiving sometimes. And I'm not saying it's always wrong and it's always bad. You should never follow. But since when are we, how is that a helpful thing to just say, follow your heart? That could mean so many things. And so there's these painted lines in our culture. So our culture does not encourage guardrails, but it's pretty much happy with saying these things. And at first we're like, I don't think they're, they're bad things. Don't get me wrong. But are they enough? I don't know if they're enough. And I'm here to tell you that if you're considering guardrails in your life, you're like, okay, this, this sounds like a fair point. You're making a good point. Maybe I should get some guardrails in my life to direct me and protect me from dangerous zones and dangerous areas. But I'm here to tell you that there is no easy way about it, okay? Because the truth is, culture will not celebrate you for setting guardrails. It will not celebrate. If you're setting guardrails in your life and you're like waiting for an applause, if you're coming to your friend and saying, listen, I've decided that there's a limit. I have decided to, um, you know, sometimes I, I tell lies and I just don't think that's good enough anymore. I don't, as, as a Christian, maybe you're here today as a Christian, or maybe just in general, maybe you're not a Christ follower. And you're thinking, maybe I should just really stop with that, you know. It's causing people some hurt. And you go to me and say, I'm going to stop lying, guys. Friends, I'm, I just want to let you know that there's been some change in my heart and my mind and I should stop. Don't wait for an applause. Don't wait for an applause when you put guardrails in your relationship and say, I'm going to, you know, I've decided that even though culture says, do anything, do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want to do it, even though culture says that, guys, I've decided that I'm going to wait until marriage. You will not get an applause. That's just the reality of it. And so it's tough. They will mock us. They will make fun of you because you're setting boundaries. You're setting guardrails. And let me tell you, when I got engaged to my husband, Julian, we were 19. And so many people asked us if we're already living together. Like, what's the story? We were so young as well. He proposed to me on the 29th of May of 2016. And we got married in 2017. But so many people came to us asking questions and this and that. And when they knew that we were not sleeping together... We were keeping until marriage and we were waiting. They could not understand it. We were not celebrated, guys. And I want to tell you that if you're deciding for your good to set some guardrails, you will not be celebrated, unfortunately. But, you know, I want to tell you that there's people in this room who are here and they want the best for you. And we're here to support you. So even though in our culture you may not be celebrated, we're here to support you and to love you and to, to help you with these guardrails and help each other. It goes both ways. They will mock us. And so I'm telling you, there's no easy way. Culture will not celebrate you. They will mock you if you set guardrails. Let me tell you what will happen if you don't set guardrails. Culture will shame us. Culture will shame you when you end up in a ditch. Isn't that so interesting? That when you set guardrails, it's too much. You're limiting yourself. Why would you do that? You're supposed to enjoy life. Life it's great. You should do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want to do it. Isn't that what society tells us? But when we don't set guardrails because it's tough and maybe you're like, no, I'm going to go my way, they will shame you when you find yourself in a bad place, when you've done something that you shouldn't have done, when you slept with someone 
who you should have slept with. And now they're like, why would you ever do that? Why would you break up that family? Or why would you take those substances? But there was no boundaries. I'm here to tell you that there's no easy way, but I'm also here to tell you that if you just choose, if you opt for guardrails, you will have fewer regrets. You will not be celebrated. That's okay. I, I've, I've lived with this. I've lived with being mocked and made fun of, and that's okay. We make it. But you know, I know I want fewer regrets in my life. And I don't really mind what people say. I don't really mind what people say. And so I'm here to encourage that. Even though there is no easy way, you've got to make a decision. You're going to live here today, and you're going to have to decide. There is no third option. You can't just be like, yeah, that doesn't exist. There's no regrets. We all have regrets in life. And the truth is that we're not really wired up to be told what to do for guardrails. Like, do any of you here like being told what to do? No, I don't think so. I don't like being told what to do. We're not, we, were, we struggle when people tell us what to do. We don't like being told what to do. And that's just the reality of it. We want freedom, don't we? We want freedom. We want to be able to do whatever we want, whenever we want it. But the reality is that with freedom, when there's no boundaries, how do you know when to stop? And I want to tell you a story. I have a friend who went to school with me, and we're very good friends. She is not a Christ follower. She's not a Christian. But we're still very good friends. And there, there are some things that she decided to do with her life in search of freedom. She was very, um, she was very controlled at home. Unfortunately, there was a lot of controlling, and it was a very strict home. And I understand a strict home because my father was very strict, and there was, there was guidelines, trust me. But my friend uh, did not grow up in a, in a Christian home, and she really struggled because there were so many boundaries and so many guidelines. And I think half of the time she didn't understand why they were there. So she's just like, okay, it's a no, and I guess I'll do that. But every time she got a no from her parents, she thought, you know, when I'm able to do whatever I want, when I'm 18, yeah, I'm going to have freedom. I'm going to experience freedom away from all of this, and I'm going to do whatever I want when I have freedom. But you know, the truth is, how do we know when to stop then? There's addictions in her life that we talk to and that we, we, we have to deal with because she chose freedom. And it's not that freedom is all bad, but when you don't know when to stop, the very thing that signifies our freedom can enslave us. If you don't know when to stop, how do you stop? Think about that for a second. In your life, how do you know when to stop if there aren't no guardrails for your own protection and for your, for your direction? How will you know what the limit is? Guardrails are not bad. Guardrails are not bad things. They are necessary and they're important. And I just want to encourage parents in the room right now. I want to encourage you that let's be the kind of parents who take time with our children. My little girl, she's almost two and... If you have teenagers here, probably saying, you've seen nothing. You're about to experience it. And I've heard that a lot. And it's probably true. I trust you guys. But, you know, let's be the kind of parents who we take time to explain to our children why certain things are good for them. And if you're a Christ follower here and, and you're a parent and you're like, yeah, I want to I explain the Bible. And what does the Bible say about this? And not just, no, you can't do that. Because... Later on, they might actually just see that as 
a negative thing and want to experience everything else because they never understood how we helped them. So let's, let's be the kind of parents who explain the why, explain, take the time, because it will make a massive difference later on. And so guardrails are there to direct and protect us. I want to tell you something real quick. It's a little story. It's not a little story. It's actually a really cool term, okay? And you guys are going to like this, I think. It's something new. I want to tell you about the Carmen line. Has, have any of you ever heard about the Carmen line? No? No. Carmen line, okay? I'm going to explain to you very quickly. And this is why boundaries are important. If you, imagine you have a car, if you don't have a car here today, or if you have a car, imagine you're in your car, and if you could turn your car upwards, facing the sky, just bear with me for a second. Bear with me. If you could turn your car upwards and you're like okay if you drove 100 kilometers into the sky you would reach the carmen line uh, okay what's the carmen line how is it relevant well the carmen line is what separates the air we breathe from space where there's no oxygen aren't we grateful that there's a boundary because we will be suffering and even though it's fun to i'm sure you know, to be in space and float like in the movies. We want to make sure that we're, we're breathing. And so there's boundaries. And my point to you is boundaries, guardrails, they're important and necessary. You might not have ever considered boundaries, but there are boundaries there and they actually protect us. There are boundaries that maybe you haven't even considered before. Like in a river, there's the banks. Imagine if a river or a lake, if there was no boundaries, it would be a mess. And so there's boundaries that we don't even think about. Um, and this is not uh, a new idea. It's not an original idea. We here we can read about boundaries and guardrails in the Hebrew Bible, which is the Old Testament in the Scriptures, and also in the New Testament. We can we can uh, read all about it if you go into and search. But today I want us to look into the book of Ephesians five fifteen to eighteen, and this was written by the Apostle Paul, who wasn't originally a Christian, but he had an encounter with God. And his life was changed completely. And he said, God, I choose your plans for my life. I'm giving up my plans and I'm going to choose to follow you. And his life was completely changed. He started to help um, open new churches. And this is actually a letter that he wrote to one of the church in Ephesus. And I have a little map here to show you in modern day Turkey. That's where the church in Ephesus was. And maybe you've been there on holidays. I would love to go sometime. But this is where the church was. And so Paul is writing a letter to the Ephesians. And this is a list. He's saying, listen, you're new Christians, you're new believers, you're Christ followers who just made a decision to follow Christ. I want to help you understand a couple things of what it means to be a Christ follower. I want to give you a few tips. And so we're going to read this. I'm going to read this very slowly, Ephesians 5, 15 to 18. And if you're here and you're like, you know, I'm not a Christ follower, it's not relevant. This is just good advice. So just bear with me. He says, be very careful then how you live. This is his advice to us. He started off saying, be very careful then how you live. Previous to this, he was talking about greed and immorality and all these things that we need to deal with as Christians. And he says, after you've heard all this, be very careful how you walk. Be very careful how you walk. Be careful. Look around. Look at your life. Look where you're going. What's happening around you. Be very careful how you walk. He says next, not as unwise but as wise and you're like i'm an intelligent person i know the difference between right and wrong i think i've got this i think i've got this but i'm here to tell you that sometimes we can't really discern between right and wrong but wisdom brings us clarity for example you can have all the intelligence in the world you can be you know really 
educated and have masters and that's a really good thing that's really cool but i'm here to tell you that there's a difference between intelligence and wisdom because intelligence is information it's knowing a fact wisdom is looking at the whole situation knowing what you've been through you heard that somebody's been through this before and you're like i'm gonna assess this whole thing knowing the information knowing what could happen to me and i'm gonna make a wise decision Okay, for example, this week I was driving my car and there was a light that came up on the dashboard. I was not wise. I ignored the light. <laughs> it was not good. I had the information. What did it say? There is uh, low pressure in one of your tires. And I'm like, we will be fine. So I keep going. I have the information. Bear with me. I was not wise. Had to change my tires. So intelligence and wisdom very different things they can work together you can use intelligence and what you've learned to be wise but it's not just information or intelligence it's actually using that and evaluating what you've been through moving forward for example what can you guys tell me is a tomato a fruit or a veg a fruit very intelligent people i never doubted you guys now is it wise to put tomatoes in a fruit salad no can you see the difference you know it's a fact, it's, it's a fruit. Does not mean it should go in a fruit salad. That's the difference. And so he's telling us, don't live as unwise, but live as wise. Evaluate your situation. We talk here, um, most Januarys we talk about, you know, some goals for the future, how we can, you know, have less regrets in life as well. And we talk about wisdom, you know. Ask yourself, what is the wise to do? Not necessarily the right thing to do or the best thing to do, but what is the wisest thing to do? And he goes on to say, Apostle Paul, he says, making the most of every opportunity. And in translation, as I looked and I was studying this, it literally means redeeming the time. Redeem the time. We've all lost time. We've, we all wish we could go back to some point of our lives and change something. Do you guys feel like that? Maybe there was, a, maybe there was a, a year in school where you made some bad decisions or you didn't study enough and you're like, I just wish I could go back and study some more. Or maybe it was your first year of marriage and you're like, you know, I just wish I could go back and like make up for it. You know, we had some really bad issues. I'm not sure what it is, but what is it that you want to redeem? And he's saying, make the most. You've already lost time. You've made mistakes. Why not make the most of right now by being wise? And he goes on to say, because the days are evil. Now, we know this. This was 2,000 years ago. The days were already evil. Imagine now. How much more are the days evil now? But the thing that Paul is trying to say with this is not just the days are evil, there's bad things happening. He's telling us this, telling us this so that we can watch. We can be watchful. He's telling us, you need to pay attention to what you're doing and to what they're doing. For example, maybe you, you studied to drive and you were getting your lessons. And I asked my father to help me last year around September time. I said, Dad, I'm getting the lessons, but I'm still really struggling and I don't feel safe to drive yet. I need some help. So my dad came to the rescue. We uh, went somewhere safe and we drove. Guys, I'm really not a bad driver. It sounds like I'm a really bad driver, doesn't it? It was just last year, okay? Um, and so he helped me. And one of the things he said to me, I'll never forget, is, is this exact thing. When you're driving, don't just pay attention to what you're doing. Like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm doing the right thing. What if somebody else is doing something wrong and you could be watching and you could be preventing an accident? And the same way Paul is saying, 
it's not enough to just pay attention to what we're doing. But like, what is being said and what is being asked? What in this evil world, what is happening? What is happening around us? It's not enough just to be aware of what I'm doing. But like, pay attention. Pay attention. Watch how you walk. These are evil days. Be watchful. And he says, therefore. He says, therefore. Do not be foolish. Paul is basically saying, guys, you know better. You know better. If you're a Christ follower here today, you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. And he's giving that gentle nudge and he's like, shouldn't be doing that. Shouldn't be doing that. You know, you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't be sending a text message. If you're a Christ follower here today, you know what I mean. Because when we accept Jesus into our lives, he's our helper and he comes to live inside of us to help us in life. And so when we're in situations where it's a bit dodgy, it's a bit dangerous, he's like, just think about that for a second. It's just like the little nudge. It's nothing loud. There's no, there's nothing fancy about it. It's just a little nudge. He's like, listen to the Holy Spirit. Do not be foolish. You know what to do. And if you're here today, you're not Christ follower, and you're hearing all these advices and tips and things to do, and maybe send some guardrails. Hey, I want to ask you, like, just try this stuff out. If you've gotten hurt in life before, you have regrets, why not just try this and see if it helps you to avoid future regrets? Don't approach life as if events are disconnected. You've been through situations before. Don't try it again and expect a different result. Let's be wise. Don't be foolish. Paul says, don't be foolish. You know this stuff. Come on. And he says, but understand what the Lord's will for you is. Focus on his will for you. And if you're here today, you're like, listen, I, I don't believe in God. I'm a skeptic. You know, I don't get it. Why not just reach out to God? Say, God, what? If you're out there, what is your will for my life? What does that even mean? Because when the Holy Spirit is within us, he's guiding us. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a will for your life. And when we choose to follow Jesus, we're saying, no, I have plans and I have my will, but you know, I'm choosing to follow you, Jesus. And there's a cycle. There's a cycle as we talk about guardrails and as we talk about you know, having fewer regrets. There's a cycle. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, one thing just led to another? Like, I wasn't that place, and I didn't plan to do anything, but one thing just led to another, and I ended up over here? Let me tell you that guardrails are the one thing that will keep you, keep you from another. Guardrails will stop that cycle, because the moment you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation or where you shouldn't be, and you set a guardrail, say, that's not, I'm not going to do that anymore, you're stopping the whole cycle. It's protecting you and directing you as to where you want to go in life. And Paul gives us an example. He gives us an illustration of what this all means. And here's what Paul says. Do not get drunk on wine. And if you're new here, you're probably thinking, I knew they were going to talk about alcohol and that I shouldn't drink. But we barely ever talk about this. But this is an example that Paul is giving us. And I want to give you a bit of context because at the time, in the first century, it was actually safer to drink wine than water. It was actually safer to drink wine than water because water will be uh, stored for a really long time in bacteria. And even though they didn't understand bacteria, they realized after a while, I'm drinking this water that's been sitting here and it's making me sick. So they realized that wine was actually safer. Wine was safer than water to drink at that time. And what they realized was, 
if I drink wine, I get drunk. Too much of it, I get drunk. If I drink water, I'm dead. Which one's best? So Paul is, is just talking to them because they, they really got this. It wasn't that they were going to a pub every night or, you know, it was, around, it was what they drank instead of water or, you know, maybe there's a balance there, but, you know, it was, it was safer to drink wine than water. And Paul understood that one thing leads to another. And Paul knows, you know, let's not be foolish. And so Paul is like, I know one thing leads to another. So he's saying, do not get drunk on wine. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to, because being drunk and being out of control and not being yourself when you've had so many drinks, it always leads to something. And I want you to, to think with me for a second, okay? Can you just go back one slide, guys, please? If we were to replace wine, one slide back, please. If we were to replace here, okay, bear with me. If we were to take away wine for a second, do not get drunk, which leads to. Does anything come to mind? Do not get drunk, which leads to. Does anyone come to mind when you read this? You know, some of us in this room today, we have maybe been affected by this ourselves, or maybe our parents have. Maybe there's a history of alcohol in your family and drinking and overdoing it, abusing alcohol. And, and this scripture is talking about being drunk because it leads to something. And maybe it has led to you being hurt. Maybe it has led to you being in a really bad place. Maybe there was so much, maybe there was so much brokenness and so much abuse of alcohol in your family that it led you to, be, to have to be fostered because you couldn't stay in that environment? Does anyone come to mind? Do not get drunk because it will lead to something. Perhaps your life would be different if that person that you're thinking about would have stayed sober. Paul is telling us and giving us advice and helping us, and this is helpful, even if you're not Christ's follower here today. But you know, maybe you have experience, or maybe you know stories of someone who's been affected by this. And I want to tell you this. If you're here today and more than one person has told you that you drink too much, you need to watch out. And I know it can be funny, and it can be like, yeah, I enjoy it, but watch out because one thing leads to another. And we're not against alcohol. The Bible is not against alcohol. But if more than one person has told you drink too much, you probably do. Be careful. Be careful how you live. Because one thing will lead to another. That's why we need to set guardrails. So he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to. It's foolish to drink too much. Maybe you've started drinking when you were in school. Maybe you started drinking with the friends to hang out. Maybe you actually just enjoy having a drink. Or maybe you did it because of peer pressure, because everybody else was having a drink. And, you know, you're just like, yeah, I'm going to try this out. Or maybe for you, maybe it's not getting drunk. It's something else. But one thing leads to another. And maybe for you, it's not having one drink and two drinks and three drinks. Maybe for you, is spending too much time on the internet. Spending too much time on the internet knowing that there might be temptation there. 
and it might lead you to sites where you know you shouldn't go, because one thing leads to another, it's putting yourself in that environment where something might just not go well. It's foolish. Don't put yourself in those environments. Maybe for you, it's spending money. Let's be honest. Maybe for you, it's like, I start shopping and I can't stop. I have a friend and she loves online shopping and we often talk about this addiction, you know? But it's really important, guys, that we place ourselves in a place where there's guardrails to protect us. And this is what Paul goes on to say, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And now this word is not even used that much anymore, but this basically means sleeping around. He's saying, do not get drunk on wine because you're going to end up sleeping around. It's going to lead you to self-indulgence. You're going to lose self-control. Come on, watch out. Don't be foolish, Paul's saying. Because the truth is guardrails safeguard us from handing over control of our lives to someone or something else. Guardrails will safeguard you from handing over control of your life and the hurt that it may cause your family. Guardrails is protecting you. It's your friend. It's important, it's necessary, and we need it. Here's what Paul goes on to say. He's not only saying, do not get drunk. He's not just saying, don't do this. Remember we spoke about being parents, who so explain why? And who goes a step further? Yeah? Yeah? So we go and we say, okay, here's what we shouldn't do. And he's telling us, here's what it's going to lead you to. Okay, I'm letting you know. And not only that, but he shows us a better way. He says, don't do this because I know you'll get hurt. It's not going to end up well. And next thing it's cool because if you're a Christ follower here today, you will know this. But if you're not, I'm going to explain to you what happens next because Paul goes on to speak of his faith a little bit. So everything you've heard, you probably found helpful. It was really good. And you're like, okay, I could apply it to my life, even if I don't believe in your God and I, I don't have the faith that you have. But now he switches gears and he goes to talk about the Holy Spirit. He goes on to talk about Jesus and what Jesus did. There's a, there's a, um, a change in the atmosphere because he goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit. And he says, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only are these advices good and helpful, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and help you and be your helper, like Jesus promised he would send a helper, he's saying, instead of focusing on that stuff, which will lead you to loss of self-control and self-indulgence, this dangerous stuff, get away from it, he's saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit takes residence in us, in our conscience, and influences our decisions for the better. It's a gentle nudge, remember? It's a gentle nudge. Are you listening to that gentle nudge? And maybe you've tried to fill yourself with other things in life. You've tried to find that sense of feeling complete, and this is it. You know, like I just, and maybe you've tried substances or giving all of yourself to someone and really loving them. If you're like, this is it. Maybe it's love what I need, but. Do you know what? There's, there's only one person that can completely fill us and make us feel complete, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And so as, as we close off this message, I just want to read it all together, what we looked at. Be very careful then, Paul is saying to us, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every single opportunity. 
because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is for your life. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Choose to be led by the Holy Spirit, not by your flesh or by decisions that look good on somebody else or peer pressure, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Conclusion, as we finish off today's message. The truth is we don't plan to wreck our lives. None of us do. We want the best for our families. We want the best for ourselves in our relationships, our health, our, our finances. We don't plan it. But guardrails are how you plan not to. It's not a gray line. Come on, guys, do better. This is not it. We're saying, let's make a plan so that we don't wreck our lives. We can have fewer regrets. We can have better lives, be better to our family, to those around us, to ourselves. Guardlines, guardrails are the how you plan not to. This is the way. This is the way. And it's specific and it's clear. They exist to direct and protect us. Guardrails are not there only to make us better people. Guardrails are not there to only make us better people. It's to make us surrendered people to Jesus. With Jesus' help, we can do this. And maybe you're here today and you're like, I couldn't possibly stay away from all this stuff. It's, it's been my whole life. I've lived my whole life with this stuff and it's, it's too difficult. But let me tell you, there's a helper available to you who wants you to live a better life where you care for yourself, you care for your family, or you don't wreck your life, you have fewer regrets. Where do you need to start today? What is it you need to face up to? Where are you driving on the edge? Are you flirting with disaster? Are you getting really close? If you're flirting with disaster, be careful. Put some guardrails. It'll protect you from having more regrets in the future. You know, I, uh, I was sitting there where you're sitting a couple of years ago. And I had an encounter with Jesus. And you're thinking, how, how is that possible? He doesn't even exist. Well, after the moment where I encountered Jesus and I was, sing, I was singing, actually the band was playing, I was singing there and, and I just felt in my heart and it's hard to put into words and those of you who have experienced Jesus know what I'm talking about but I was sitting where you're sitting today and in my heart I felt like he was telling me I have a plan for you you have your plan for yourself but I have a plan for you and it's better but you have to trust me <laughs> you have to trust me and that day, years ago, I, I said, you know, God, I have good plans, but if you're telling me you have better plans, I want these plans for my life. And I don't know what your plans are for your future. I don't know what you're hoping to do even as you leave this place today. But let me just invite you to step away from what can harm you and step towards the one who loves you. He loves you so much. He wants to be better and to make you better at life. And I made that decision a long time ago. And I do not regret it for a second. People may mock me and make fun of my decisions. I didn't do it for them. I didn't do it for them. Who are you living your life for? Is it for yourself or for other people? So can you stand with me?